Moving forward rather than backward, next on Abounding Grace. Have you really been thinking about going backwards? Have you really been thinking about calling it quits? Have you been really thinking about this is too much? I don't think God's in this. I don't like the way it's turning out. The word of God today for you is don't harden your hearts. Going backwards, it has nothing for you. Abandoning where God is calling you moving forward will not get you where you really want to go. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. When life doesn't go according to plan or we're hit with one difficulty after another, we can so easily grow discouraged or even develop a hardened heart. Today on Abounding Grace, we want to raise your awareness to this very real struggle and problem. We don't want this to happen to you, but if it has, there is a remedy. So let's join Pastor Ed Taylor for his study based in Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to pick up there in verse 7 where we left off last time in a Bible study that I've entitled, Beware of a Hardened Heart. Beware of a Hardened Heart. You know, hardness is all around us. We see enough of it. I mean, and and if you don't think that there is hardness, whether it's hard situations, hard hearts, hard lives, hard challenges, hard people, you know, if you don't see enough of it, all you need to do is turn on talk radio and watch the news. And it's easy to be hardened by the condition, not only of our country, but of the world. And it shouldn't surprise us. Because the Bible predicts in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. That we'll live in a loveless world, a loveless culture. And I don't believe it just speaks of unbelievers, although I do see that as an application. I also believe that the love of many will grow cold within the church among believers, that believers, as we see today, we must be warned to not have a hardened heart, to not choose to harden our hearts, to not rebel against God because of the circumstances that have come our way, because life has a way of hardening people. We see it throughout the Bible. In Exodus chapter 7, we see Pharaoh harden his heart. We're warned about the hardness of heart as it relates to divorce in Mark chapter 10, that the root of every divorce is a hardened heart. There there is a lack of faith that was surrounding Jesus in Mark chapter 3 verse 5 that leads to hardness of heart. Paul spoke of hardening hearts in Acts chapter 19 and even warned unbelievers in Romans chapter 2 about a hard heart. And you might want to jot this down if you're taking notes. It's an important thing to remember. Hard hearts are often just one offense or one decision away. Because we kind of look at and listen to a Bible study like this and hear the warning and think, oh, I'll never have a hard heart. I love Jesus Christ. I want to serve him. My faith is stirred up. And yet every single one of us is just one offense. And what I mean by that is being offended. You know, we get easily offended in the church of Jesus Christ because we're around people all the time and things don't always go our way and we're easily offended whether it's in church or in this world. Just one offense or one decision away 
from hardening our hearts. It's a choice that we make as we respond to the difficulties of life, as we respond to the mismet expectations we might have on a spouse, on a friend, on a pastor perhaps. And today, in Hebrews chapter 3, we are strongly warned to not allow our hearts to grow cold and hard and living that way without repentance because there's that slow creep of hardness that comes by living in this difficult world and there's always a high price to pay when we choose to harden our hearts. Some of the worst decisions that could ever be made in life are often made when we are mad, angry, frustrated, bitter, that comes from a hard heart. Good decisions don't come from hard hearts and responding to offense. And with that in mind, verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, okay, let's pause right there just for a second. I'm not going to develop this, but I don't want you to miss it. Here, the author to the Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, is reminding us that the Old Testament is written by God. Because this is a quote from the Psalms, Psalm 95, and he is attributing it to the Holy Spirit. So whenever somebody asks, who wrote the Bible? The answer is God. We've studied this in depth in other places. You can get the studies online. But here the Holy Spirit is the author of the Scriptures, the inspiration. Human authors wrote it down, but they were inspired and carried along by the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 7. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Restlessness comes from a hardness of heart. Restlessness comes when we harden ourselves toward God. It's a sorrowful historical lesson that we draw upon here about the nation of Israel. Remember, we refer to the nation of Israel as the old covenant family of believers. What we refer to as the church today in the new covenant was the nation of Israel in the old covenant. So here we have a nation, a group of people, God followers, God worshipers, waiting for their Savior to come, waiting for Messiah to come. They are languishing under great pain in the country of Egypt under the leadership of Pharaoh. And they are slaves building all of Pharaoh's building projects. And they hate it there. The Bible even speaks of Pharaoh making it harder for them and harder for them and harder for them, where they cry out to God, deliver us, deliver us. We can't live in these conditions anymore. We want somebody to help us. And what does God do in response? He raises up a deliverer. You Bible students know that deliverer, his name is Moses. God sends Moses, who becomes a type and a picture of Jesus Christ, to deliver the children of Israel from their slavery. Egypt becomes a picture of the world. Pharaoh, even a type of the devil, where they were in bondage, enslaved to a cruel master, and God delivers them. 
and reveals himself to them in miraculous, powerful ways. He also promises them rest and peace in a particular area of land. We re often refer to that as the promised land. The nation of Israel today occupies a small portion of all that God promised them. Like the nation of Israel exists today in fulfillment of the promises of God, even though they're not occupying everything that God gave them, they are back in the land as God promised even today since 1948, recognized as a unique entity we know in the Bible as the children of Israel. So they get to the edge and they're ready to enter in. Would you turn your Bibles over to hold your place in Hebrews? Go to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to develop this in a later study, but I want you to see it now for the sake of context. Because the promised land, rest, and resting in the Lord, and even our Sabbath rest are all going to be topics as we jump in from three, chapter 3 to chapter 4. But I want you to understand where they're at and, and how they ended up in the wilderness, how they ended up in their wandering they get right to the edge of the promised land, and in Numbers chapter 13, they have these elders that were hand-selected. They were sent into the land to bring back a report on what it's like. It says in verse 25 of Numbers chapter 13, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, I wish they would have stopped there because what they saw was exactly what God said would be there. It was the promise of God. It's a, it's a land of milk and honey. It's a land of plenty. It's a land of rest. But then there's that word in verse 28. Nevertheless, that's not going to lead somewhere good. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they all dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and take possession, for we are all well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a... Let's read this together. They gave the children of Israel a bad, bad report. Not a good report, but a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we, so we were in their sight. This bad report demoralizes the people. They came back with a report of exactly what God said it would be like. It's going to be hard and difficult. Large cities, large walls, giants. It's going to be warfare. But I'm with you. I have given you, God tells the children of God, I have given you the land. And so it doesn't matter who's in the land. It doesn't matter who the giants are. It doesn't matter how big the walls are. The land belongs to God, and he is going to give it to them. But this bad report, notice chapter 14 now, verse 1. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people cried all that night. 
And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it be not be better for us to return to Egypt? If this was a movie, right now they're going to change the music and it's going to be boo. What do you mean you want to go back to Egypt? Are you crazy? You just got delivered from Egypt. You just spent all day and all night working, and in your moments you would cry out for deliverance. You wanted to get out of Egypt. You wanted nothing to do with Egypt. It was destroying your families, destroying your kids. It was, Pharaoh was cruel. You had no future there, no hope there. And as Egypt becomes a type of the world, that's exactly the same thing. The world keeps people in bondage, promises much but delivers nothing. You know, the world system in which when they promise you, oh, peace, oh, if, if you drink this, if you take this, if you do this, you'll be just as happy as everyone on the commercials. That's what they promise, but they deliver death, destruction, discouragement, because there's nothing in this world that will fulfill the emptiness in your life. Nothing, nothing. Only Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, can give to you the fullness of the longing in your heart. Only Jesus, the Savior of the world that was sent to this earth, God in human flesh, only Jesus can remove the pain and the penalty of sin in your life and remove the condemnation and the weight of guilt that you carry around every day. It's only through His forgiveness. Nothing in this world, no false religion, no substance, no philosophy, Nothing will give you the rest and peace that Jesus Christ himself offers by faith. And they cry for Egypt. You know, we don't normally say, we want to go back to Egypt. Now, of course, we did some ministry in Egypt, and so sometimes we would say, we want to go back and do ministry in Egypt, but not like this. So we don't say we want to go back to Egypt, but we do start thinking about going back to our formal life. We, we do say, you know, we, you know, in our emotion, fueled by believing the lies of the enemy, we think going backwards is going to be best, or going back to what we were delivered from would be best. But, but God, he reminds us through the prophet Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. This is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind. And this, grow, this growing nation, as they come to the edge of the promised land, and they're about ready to head into battle, probably had a good understanding of God for about a year. And here they are, ready to move in. In Egypt, they didn't understand him very much. It was just cruel work and, and just under the heavy weight of the Pharaoh. But now being delivered, they're beginning to see how much God loves them and cares for them. And now they want to go backwards? Is that you today? Have you really been thinking about going backwards? Have you really been thinking about calling it quits? Have you been really thinking about this is too much? I don't think God's in this. I don't like the way it's turning out. The word of God today for you is don't harden your hearts. Going backwards, it has nothing for you. Abandoning where God is calling you moving forward will not get you where you really want to go taking things into your own hands instead of trusting God in this particular situation will not benefit you. Only trusting God will benefit you. You know, here's the thing. When you don't fully understand the plan of God, 
When, when you don't fully understand what, you're, what he's doing in your life and what the situation is, this is what happens. When you lack understanding, that often leads to misunderstanding and misinterpreting the circumstances in your life. And when you misinterpret the circumstances in your life, then you begin to misinterpret and misunderstand the God of the circumstances, the sovereign God who saved you and loves you and plucked you out of Egypt, plucked you out of the world. But you know, things can get so hard and so difficult that we respond to it like, I just don't think God's for me. We start saying things like that. I don't think God remembers me. I don't think God's very nice right now. Why would he be allowing this? Why am I, so, why, why am I in so much pain? Why are you allowing God to these people to do that? You, you start saying, you know, I think this may be God's punishment on me. Or this tough time in my life is God must not love me anymore or care for me. But that's not true. That's not the love of our Heavenly Father. It might be the love of some humans down the road, but it's not God. You see, the more we learn of God, the more we realize that he's not a God to get mad at. He's full of love and mercy and compassion and grace. And yeah, he's led you to the edge of the promised land, but not, to, not, not so that you would cower in fear and anxiety. I, I mean, I get this because just yesterday on my way into church, you know, normally I'm listening to a Bible study on my way in and, and just enjoying the drive. And yesterday I just felt I've been praying about something for two or three days now. And, and so I just felt like the Lord is telling me, just turn the radio off and pray all the way in. And so I did. And so I'm just talking in my car. And I'm sure people are looking at me going, who's he talking? You know, whatever. I'm just talking in my car. And say, like, God, you know. And one of the things I said is, you know, God, I just don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand it. And I started, you know, sharing some things with God of why if I was in their shoes, I'd understand. And I was, I don't understand. And it was almost like God just spoke so quickly. And he said something along the lines, Ed, even if I gave you understanding, it still would not help your unbelief. I'm like, wow. Is there another Ed on the road around me? Or is this like unbelief? Yeah, we'll find out in a moment that, that unbelief is tied to hardness of heart. And, and I'm just one of those guys that I thrive when I understand things. I thrive when I can see more of the big picture. I have great comfort when I can see, well, I can see this and this and then maybe this and it all worked together. But the Bible teaches us that the life of the believer is not based on understanding. It's based on faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, it's not that God won't give you understanding of who he is. It's not that God won't give you understanding. Like, the Christian faith is based on facts. It's not a leap of faith into darkness. It's based on historical, verifiable facts, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's not what I'm speaking of. What I'm speaking to is in the circumstances of life, as you grasp and want to understand why, God's answer will often be, even if I told you why, it still wouldn't be enough for you. Trust me. And we have no other choice but to trust our loving God who saved us and gave himself for us. They got so upset. Check this out in verse 4, back in Numbers, just before we get back to Hebrews. They got so mad that they said to one another, let us select another leader and return to Egypt. They want to get rid of Moses. They are mad at Moses. And, you know, those that serve in ministry can relate to Moses here sometimes where the pastors and the leaders get all the flack for the issues in people's hearts. And this is a solution that many people would make. Give us a leader that we want and that we like and we'll do what we tell them to do. As if Moses was some horrible leader. He wasn't. 
He was doing exactly what God called him to do. And it hasn't changed much today. Paul would even warn of the last days that there'll be people that will raise up for themselves teachers that will tickle their ears and and satisfy what they want to hear. So guard your hearts when it comes to even spiritual leaders in your life. In this church, and if you're from another church, in your church, be careful with your hearts toward your leaders. Because if you're here because of me, then I will let you down and I will disappoint you. And if anyone that has been here for any length of time knows that I will disappoint and I'm not perfect. My family's not perfect. And this church isn't perfect. As we learned last time, I believe that we should love and serve and honor the pastors and leaders that God has put in our lives. We're not to worship them, but we're to honor them and we're to serve them in like-mindedness. But we're also to remember that they're human. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. The warning today from Hebrews chapter 3 was, Beware of a Hardened Heart. In fact, that's the title we've given this message. It's called, Beware of a Hardened Heart. You can access it through the Calvary Church app or at our website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, I think this is a very timely study and relevant exhortation as hardened hearts are all around us and, and growing by the day, especially with all this occurred through the pandemic and the election. What would you say to the person who is already there? They have a hardened heart. Well, I was thinking about this, Larry, as you're asking and thinking about the guy standing or the gal standing in front of me with a hardened heart. I, I would hope but that my facial expressions would reveal what they are right now on the other end of this microphone, and that is it just makes me sad. It's a horrible place to be with a hardened heart. It's a horrible place to be to be consumed by bitterness and anger and frustration. I was just studying uh, earlier today for my Bible study in Hebrews about letting brotherly love continue in, in Hebrews 13, and such a beautiful reminder. Let brotherly love, the idea behind let is that it's already there. Just lean into it. So what would I say to them? I'd say, I'm sorry you have a hardened heart. I would say in a kind way, depending on the conversation, that the conversation would lead to a kind but firm way to tell you that repentance is necessary. You've got to repent from your hard heart. You can't be a professional victim all the time. Even though things are done to you and difficulties have come around you and surround you right now, you can't, please, we cannot settle into this permanent victim mentality. Uh, We have the privilege as believers to lean into the Lord in victory, even though circumstances are hard. Listen, everybody has a hard life. Everyone has things that happen they don't like. And believe me, When I share this, I'm not sharing it like I don't have my own issues that are deeply painful, penetratingly hard, uh, piercing to the even to the heart every day. And I can choose. uh, There's a lot of things I can't choose. I can't choose what people do to me and say to me and how they treat me. And I can't. But I can choose how to respond and how uh, and to obey God and listen to His promises. So I have a lot to say to the hardened heart. But that would be where I'd begin. And then I'd lay my hand on you and I'd say, "Can I pray for you?" And I would pray, God, would you please soften the heart of my brother or sister here? Bring them to a place where they're revived in their love for you, and they remember how faithful and good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 
thanks for those words of encouragement. I'm sure someone needed to hear that. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come along beside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Maybe you've noticed there's a battle going on in your mind. Maybe it's lustful thoughts that have been plaguing you for years and you don't know what to do about it. In Winning the War in Your Mind, author Craig Groeschel reveals strategies he's discovered to change your mind and your life for the long term. God has something better for you than your old ways of thinking. It's time to change your mind so God can change your life. Request the book, Winning the War in Your Mind, when you call 877-30-GRACE. Again, our phone number, 877-30-GRACE. Has Abounding Grace blessed you? We'd like to know. And it's easy to connect with us at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Leave us an email today. And then join us tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Hebrews. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.